Thanks for listening to Bad Notes by me, L. David Hessler. This week's mixtape guest is Dark Hound with their song, Thread. Be sure to check out more of their music after you've listened to this episode. And I mean the whole episode, right up to the very end. Because as always, we have another special message from the mysterious shadow organization known only as Orb Industries. In 1996, after nearly two decades spent touring the American Midwest with his heavy metal band Starfed, cult guitar hero Orrin Moon disappeared without a trace. Despite dozens of distraught fans, the music industry barely noticed his absence. While law enforcement assumed Moon had simply fled the country or joined a religious commune, For nearly two more decades, the true story went untold. Then, in early 2016, a music journalist for National Independent Radio received an unmarked package that contained over 200 dated microcassettes with a handwritten letter that read, This is the story of Orrin Moon. He was an amazing musician, a loving father, and the best demon slayer the world never knew. Created by L. David Hessler. Part 8. friend was never easy. Alonzo said this as he took a sip of spiked coffee. It was the third mug he'd poured himself since letting Pony take over driving duties, since the demon murmur had spoken through the boombox. It was easy to lose track of time in the bus. Night had fallen and North Missouri looked the same no matter which way you were going. In fact, we passed from state to state without much fanfare. A sign on the side of the highway had welcomed us to Iowa, and it still looked the same. We sat at the Crescent coffee table the whole time, Mel and I, wide awake despite being exhausted as hell. We just stared at the table or out the window or pretended to sleep even though I don't think either one of us could have fallen asleep without medication. Wind poured into the broken window behind us. 
Alonzo sat on the other side of Mel at the crescent table. Every mug of coffee he had consumed had been filled with some kind of potent liquor that smelled like old gasoline. And that finger, the one Mel had taken from the pudgy man's throat at the funeral home, was in a steel ammo box under the driver's seat. Alonzo had refused to speak about Mel's father until this third mug of coffee. Any kind of relationship with Orrin Moon is a pain in the ass, he said. He chuckled and nodded at Mel. You know exactly what I mean, too, right? She shrugged. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Everyone knows. But sometimes the hardest relationships are the ones worth fighting for. He pulled a wallet from his jeans and slapped it on the table. The dome light overhead barely illuminated it enough to see faint etchings in the surface of the leather. It was covered in dozens of intricate carvings. Your dad gave that to me, Alonzo said. Twenty years ago last Friday, in fact. Put it in my duffel bag as I was tearing down equipment from our first set together. 1976. Filled it with my first cut of the profits, too. Spent all that money on rent and booze because I was still trying to be like my drunk old man. He took another sip of coffee savored it, then smiled. That was before I started trying to be more like your dad. He shook his head and the smile faded. That's, that's not why it's important, he said. Mel and I glanced at each other, confused. Pony, Alonzo shouted. Hey, remember why my wallet's so important? Pony nodded and flashed a thumbs up, then let loose with a haunting howl that seemed to echo even there inside the bus. Alonzo nearly spilled his drink because he laughed so hard. That's right, he said, howling himself and then opening the wallet. There were a few twenties and some identification, maybe a library card, not much else. It was clear he was getting drunk and emotional and maybe psychotic. His smile disappeared. This wallet is made from the pelt of my first werewolf. He leaned closer to Mel. This was the first thing I ever killed with my bare hands.
We stared at Alonzo, silent, terrified. There's another world out there, Mel, he said, shoving the wallet into her hands as he spoke. You think life was shitty before, you don't even know the half of it. There are things that will try to kill you just because you're part of an unwritten food chain. Her fingers raked across the leather, and she offered it to me. I declined. That wallet was made from the skin of a monster, he said. Oh, don't look at me like you don't believe me because I know you do. Both of you. You got dragged into this without any choice. But you've seen enough to know that when I say I killed a werewolf, it shouldn't shock you. His gaze locked onto my eyes, and I felt that familiar sense that whatever he said was undeniable. That his voice was truth incarnate. We're part of a tradition, Alonzo said. Me and Pony and your dad and now the two of you and so many others who will die before you can even meet them. He took a deep breath and closed his eyes. It was like he was trying to recite something he had practiced for years. His head tilted slightly. His nostrils flared and he finally exhaled. We run with the night crowd. The words echoed, just like Pony's howl, and suddenly the wailing of the pavement beneath the bus seemed distant, like feedback from a stack of amplifiers in some faraway arena. The night was something more, everlasting and eternal, and pressing in on us from all sides, but also growing out and away, expanding with every passing second so far into the void that there was no guessing when it would finally end and, and what it might reveal. He leaned onto the table and put his face into the palms of his hands. He was no different than anyone else. Get a few drinks in his belly and heaps of humanity just came barreling out of his mouth. Your father would have handled this so much better, he muttered. I shouldn't be the one to tell you all of this. There, there has to be a better way. Pony made a coarse barking sound to get our attention. He pointed at a road sign for a rest stop. Then he cupped both ears with his hands for a moment and pointed at Mel. Listen, Alonzo asked. Pony, we lost the tape. Pony shook his head and pointed a thumb at his own chest. He smiled. Alonzo nodded, smiling too. And he stood up so he could slap Pony on the shoulder. That's why I keep you around, he said. Take the rest stop exit and then grab your best cassette. Pony swerved to make the exit ramp and pulled the bus into an empty rest area. Signs indicated that Osceola was nearby. As soon as we were stopped... Pony bolted to the back of the bus. What are we doing? Mel asked. I thought we were in a hurry. I thought you were going to give me answers. We are, Alonzo said, without any more explanation. 
Pony trotted back to the crescent table and slid a blue personal cassette player across the surface. It had orange foam headphones. He offered a cassette. Before Mel took it, I noticed the label. It said, Damn Clown. Good choice, Alonzo said. Pony, you're a goddamn genius. What is this? Mel asked, putting the tape into the player and sliding the headphones over her head. I mean, I know it's a tape player, but what am I going to listen to? Alonzo gestured for me to stand with him while Pony slid next to Mel at the table. It's a recording Pony made before his tongue got cut out, Alonzo said. Mel, this, this is from your 10th birthday. It was as if someone had pressed a knife into her abdomen. Her eyes went wide and she stared at the player as if it might grow arms and try to strangle her. I had no idea why that day was so significant, but it obviously meant something to Mel. Pony will be here with you, he said. Once I burn this finger, you can listen, and you'll get some answers. I followed him out of the bus, watching him carry the finger inside the ammo box, and we left Mel with the tape player. There was a public grill filled with ash that seemed like it had been there for decades. He put the finger on top, muttered a few things under his breath, and then used a butane lighter to set the squirming little monstrosity on fire. I covered my mouth to avoid the smoke and glanced one more time at Mel through the broken window of the black bus. If I'd known... If I'd known what he was about to put her through, I probably would have kicked Alonzo in the balls and left him right there in the middle of Iowa. Thanks so much for listening to Bad Notes, produced by me, L. David Hessler. This week's mixtape guest is Dark Hound, and they can be found at www.dark-hound.com. Show them some listening love. And if you love this podcast, support it by doing one or both of the following things. Leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word or go to patreon.com slash ldavidhessler. The Bad Notes title music is produced by Ethan Mikesell. Find more of his work at ethanmikesell.com. All sound effects and additional background music are used through a Creative Commons Zero public domain license. If you like the sound of my voice, go listen to my great friend Adam interrupt it on a regular basis as we make original superheroes on the B-Mega podcast at megatoncitynews.com. P.S. Adam Martins also provides the voice of the national independent radio announcer at the beginning of every episode of Bad Notes. And now, a word from our sponsor, Orb Industries. An audio anomaly occurred in the previous episode of Bad Notes.
resulting in the accidental airing of a demonic voice from 20 years in the past. The board of directors at Orb Industries would like to apologize for this erroneous event. However, the board of directors possess little capacity for emotion and are therefore unable to issue such an apology. In case of future anomalous accidents, please be aware of the precise location of your audio player's power button and avoid listening to episodes of the podcast while standing in direct moonlight. You have been sufficiently warned. Orb Industries, protecting humanity from itself. <laughs>